Welcome back to another episode of Let Us Listen. This is your host, Maria. And this is your host, Victor. And today we have another guest for our third episode. We will be talking about imposter syndrome. And the guest we have today is going to be Casey Vu. She is a mindset coach, NLP practitioner, and CEO of Casey Vu LLC. She helps female entrepreneurs master online confidence, their authenticity, and purpose to impact lives while being compensated for their gifts. Casey Vu was born in Japan of two Filipino parents before she was adopted into an American-Mexican family of five. She talks about how imposter syndrome is conditioning that starts at a young age and what to do about it in order to reach your full potential. There's a lot of information to process in this episode, but we encourage you to listen to the full thing if you are a person who wants to know how to become more self-aware in order to reach your higher self. Welcome back to Let Us Listen. As we said, we have Casey Vu here. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Casey, thank you so much for being here. Can you just introduce yourself and just let us know what your background is and why this is even an important topic? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Um, yes, I'm Casey Vu. I am a mindset coach, NLP practitioner, and um, I'm the CEO of Casey Boo LLC. That's my day job. Um, well, technically my day job is being with my daughter and my rescue dog um, and a wife and my husband. And I basically work from home working while my daughter is sleeping. Um, and as far as like how I even became a mindset coach and, and why I'm even talking about imposter syndrome is because um, when I started coaching, women specifically to helping them perform in their own online business they they always came up with feeling this feeling of not trusting themselves enough feeling like they were inadequate in some capacity um and always feeling guilty for asking for money or setting boundaries or going to that next level of business and i always saw these really high caliber women, women who were always overperforming, um, excelling to that next level, whether that was in their corporate job or in their relationship or as a, as parents, it was so hard for them to um, not only just own that they have aspects of themselves that are imperfect, but just own that that is what makes them them. Mm -hmm. And this plays a lot into um, having an online presence, right? So. I talk to a lot of women specifically, not just in excelling in their, in their business, but also mastering online confidence, mastering um, this, what is called online authority. And online authority basically is you just owning the fact that you have expertise, knowledge, no matter what it is, right? Um, that's going to help a lot when it comes to attracting clients and just helping educate people online. But... Mm -hmm. There are so many women, women who are, have been in business, they're in business for like over 15 years to women that have, that, that are therapists, literally have a master's degree in um, being a counselor, but they still feel this, this need to, to tell themselves, well, I'm not good enough. 
Mm-hmm. So I started to see a reoccurring pattern amongst the women that I worked with that no matter what background they had, no matter how much they've spent in schooling and whatever, um, whatever labels they had, there was always that underlying feeling of, I don't belong here because of X, Y, Z. Um, imposter syndrome to me, what it is, is more so like a phenomenon that happens um, that holds people back that is kind of like their one hand is tied behind them and they they can't put a finger on why they're not where they want to be in life or Mm -hmm. why they even continue to um, do certain things that maybe they they don't actually have as their own values. So an example of that would be people who are in um, demanding jobs. Perhaps one of their values, their conscious values is family, but they still continuously find themselves overworking at their job not being able to say no to people and to me that's almost this sense of I have to prove that I am worthy I have to prove mm-hmm. that I am a good worker um so as you can see that that can cause some complications so yeah I know that was a little long-winded but <laughs> no yeah that was perfect I think the question I have right away that just keeps popping up everywhere especially recently I think a lot of people automatically say that imposter syndrome isn't a real thing that it's just fake but I think the way that I see it is that this is something we have to acknowledge just like anything else I mean I don't think we're saying here that imposter syndrome is a mental illness obviously imposter syndrome can play into mental illnesses but imposter syndrome is just something we experience and I think there's power in acknowledging that and knowing that yes, this is happening, but there are strategies that we can use to move forward. I totally agree. And just speaking from my own experience, um, my background, like with my background, so um, biologically, I had two Filipino parents from the Philippines and um, my biological father passed away before I was one. So I didn't even really know of his existence. And then my biological mom passed away at the age of seven. So what happened was the man that my biological mom married, keep up with you guys, keep up with me, you guys. (laughs) Um, He was basically an American man. He had, he did have a Mexican mom, but he was very, he grew up being, um, he passed as a white man and he was in the military or he was in the Navy. Um, And what happened with me a lot growing up is that I looked very different. I looked very different amongst um, my own siblings and my parents Um, and the schools that I went to. I moved around a ton when I was younger and there were a few instances where I would be in school and it would be primarily white students and um, white teachers. And I literally remember people just like, staring to the point where they had to turn their head and to look Mm -hmm. Um, and having having other young kids my age asking me if I was Chinese and this was like such a common thing at this particular school I was in Um, and you know just thinking back as what that is like as a as a child imagining what my like my own child going through that that can really bring about this idea of being scared to be seen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Wanting to blend in as much as possible because who wants to be gawked at like that, you mm-hmm. know? 
or to be asked really um, complex questions, but really not understanding why people are asking those questions, how to properly answer them. Yeah. Um, so I never felt equipped even to deal with things like that. Um, and, you know, that wasn't even like the end of comments that made me really question myself and where I belonged. But even, um, even in middle to high school, getting really ridiculous questions about if my parents did nails or, um, if I ate dog or if, um, just like really off the wall sort of things, yeah. like you should be good at math. Um, and it's really interesting because again, I didn't grow up with Asian parents. Um, I primarily grew up in a American household, um, and Mexican household because my stepmom was Mexican. So I had always carried with me this feeling of not belonging, but not knowing how to express that. And to even, I almost even felt like what I was dealing with wasn't even real because when, when people would say things to me, like calling me dog eater and telling me that was just um, a term of endearment and calling me that in front of other students in class and no one saying anything, not even the teacher um, and everyone just kind of laughing. Guess what I did? I laughed too, because I thought that um, maybe it was funny. Maybe I, I should laugh because everyone else is laughing um, where deep down it was just like, I'm being seen again for what I look on the outside and I have no idea why. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, you know, this essentially, I mean, this is a, a obviously a complex problem, but growing up, not being equipped, going through something psychologically and not really having a term for it, not having any guidance, fast forward into adulthood, um, just being like the, the perfect, almost like employee or yeah, basically because um, I, I, I've, fit myself into the mold yeah. of, of someone that was always like a yes man and never um, stood up whenever I felt like something was wrong or, or anything like that. I just wanted to not be seen. <laughs> I, I didn't know what it meant to like step into my own power. And this idea of striving for acceptance and of belonging and um, I already looked different. So why make myself stand out more? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a little bit of this feeling of, of not belonging. And it wasn't until I started to feel like I, I had no say in anything. I almost felt like I had, I didn't, I didn't speak up before. I didn't speak up about movements like this because I didn't want to bring attention to me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this, the past couple of years have been very transformative and, and it almost pressured me to have to see why. I choose to say or do the things that I do. And I, when I started to slowly unravel that, I almost freaked out a little bit because I was like, who am I kind of thing? Who am I aside from um, the identity that I put on myself? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's why it gets to be so hard for people because it's scary to like, who, who am I underneath all of the conditioning underneath all of this hiding, right? Who is that person underneath? So that's something that I went through. I, I really help um, and guide and other other women that may be feeling like an imposter in their own life. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I feel like they feel like an imposter in their own life is because they have been almost conditioned to please be accepted and not be seen, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think after hearing 
everything that you just said, I think I even have a better understanding now of, yes, imposter syndrome affects everyone, including white people, but we also have to understand that white people, when they struggle with imposter syndrome, it's because of their internal doubts, right? Their doubts about themselves because of the way they have been conditioned. But with people of color, there's an added layer to that. You can't change your appearance. So like when you were growing up in school, all these kids were asking those questions, getting you to question like, do I even belong here? But that was just because of the way you looked and you can't change that. And so then at that point, you're having to deal with not only like your doubts that you probably already had about yourself, but then mm -hmm. also the doubts that all of these people are imposing on you because of the beliefs that they've been brought up with about people of color. So would you say that imposter syndrome is, is something that everyone goes through or is it something that people only, only certain people go through? And I don't know, at the same time, I feel like there may be layers to it because you can acknowledge it and then just be fine with whatever situation you're in, or you can acknowledge it and like just be hyper aware of it. And obviously like it's going to change how you, how you are just because of the, the environment you're in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there are layers to it and I think everyone at some level will experience it. And I say that because for instance, like at every stage of life. So um, when I became a parent, I felt like, oh my gosh, do I really have what it takes to be a parent? So, I, I'm, and not every single person is going to become a parent, but um, I'm sure a lot of people deal with that. Um, but I think there are layers like, you know, for instance, moving up in the corporate world, I feel like as a woman, it could be a lot scarier to ask for a raise. Um, but like my husband, I, I literally asked him one day, I like, do you ever feel um, the need to, to make sure people don't see you as overzealous or mm -hmm. overambitious. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no. And, um, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, before I started my online business, he was, you know, the quote unquote breadwinner for our family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why shame a man for trying to feed his family? Right. Mm -hmm. But when, you know, when I was, um, when I became a mom, there was really, this feeling of like mom guilt and I had to just give to my um, children all the time I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but essentially the idea is there are layers to imposter syndrome and in different areas of, of life, you can certainly feel like that feeling of doubting yourself, right? Do I really have what it takes? Um, so as far as what Victor was talking about, like acknowledging it, does it make or break you? I think, it is important to be aware of where do you feel like you don't belong or where do you feel like you're constantly um, questioning, questioning yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think what Maria said about it, it is empowering to just like just address it um, and then having some sort of either support to work through it or a game plan to work through it instead of feeling instead of being someone that's just like, oh, I feel like an imposter in, in every area of my life and I'm just gonna ignore that. You know, I think there definitely has to be some, some a game plan to move through it. Mm -hmm. Did that answer your question? Yeah. 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 
And then I also wanted to bring up what Victor had said when we were talking about <laughs> imposter syndrome recently. Do you remember how you said that, well, you know, when I feel like I don't, like if I start a new job, like when you started your coaching job and you mm -hmm. felt like you just had to fake it, what did you mean by that? Well, I think we did talk about, we discussed how it's, you're not necessarily faking it, but like you have expectations of, for example, what it's like to be a coach. So in a way you want to feel that those expectations. Um, so I guess in a way you are faking it just because you haven't been, well, me personally, I had never been in a position like that. So it was out of my comfort zone, but I knew that in like me saying, oh, I just got to fake it till I make it. It was, I was just trying to like motivate myself and like get myself mm -hmm. through, through the situation, you know, because I, I wanted to, do my best yeah you know i wasn't gonna half-ass it basically yeah mm -hmm. i think a lot of people have that need to to fake it till you make it because um i feel like we grow up in a society where we don't talk about what is actually going on with us mentally mm -hmm when people say everyone asks hey how are you but not everyone actually discloses yeah. how we're actually doing um it's very hush hush to to feel like you're having an emotional breakdown and to like feel like you're a fraud to even admit that you feel like a fraud or to even admit like i feel like i don't know what i'm doing yeah like no one really has those conversations because it would in our society i feel like it would um showcase that there's something wrong with us or we don't have what it takes and i think everyone is trying to run away from those feelings yeah. but in my in my opinion and obviously opinions can evolve and change but from what from where i'm trying to come from um when it comes to always reaching that next level of uh being out of my comfort zone which is very easy whenever you're first starting a business, when you first become a coach, and then you want to coach more people, and then you want to um, like hit a new, a new goal in your business, there's always going to be this feeling of who am I to do that? I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I want to express to you and those who are listening is you don't, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to pretend to be something you're not, because I think that's where imposter syndrome comes from this feeling of I need to be someone that I'm not mm -hmm. I I personally am someone that will show up on my Instagram and just say like hey you guys like I came from a place of continuously doubting my doubting myself and I still face doubt yeah. but do you know what I do about that I hire a mentor I hire a coach I um, have conversations with people that I, that care about me um, I journal, I do mindset work to help me overcome that. But I'm never like, I know exactly what I'm doing all the time. Mm. Um, because I think that that causes this, um, like this disconnect of, of being a human, what does it mean to actually be human? Yeah. Right. So um, along the lines of fake it until you make it, you know, I don't want to say that's right or wrong, because there is no right or wrong. If that actually is something that helps you step into your higher self, just know that when you step into that higher self of you, that is actually you. 
you're not faking anything. You're stepping into that power. And we could throw in a little mindset technique and even like a book recommendation. But there's this book called The Alter Ego Effect. And essentially, I haven't read all of the books, but I've I've heard of it and I got recommendations for it and I've I began reading it. But the alter ego effect is where you create this either this version of you or step into this like character, like comic book character to enable you to feel what it's like to be them so that when you show up either like on a playing field in sports or showing up to a job interview or um, coaching people, right? Maybe it's your first time coaching or maybe you're doing a huge event. You utilize a mindset technique to step into that person and then you operate from them, right? Because it's less scary when you can tap into someone who's like Wonder Woman um, or the Black Panther, right? That feels so empowering to be them. Now, after all of that is done, right? You go home and everything is over and done. You didn't fake something that you're not. You just stepped into a different version of yourself. And that's kind of what I teach um, when it comes to mindset coaching. There are different aspects of you, right? You're, You're someone different in front of your parents. You're someone different in front of your girlfriend. You're someone different in front of your children. And it's okay to embrace and accept all versions of you, but know that when you're performing at a higher level and you're speaking with authority and leadership, it's not you being someone else. It's just being a higher version of you. Now, where I think like the imposter, the fraud feeling is, is when you are, are lying about what you, what you know, right? If you're constantly someone that is never wanting to admit their faults, if you're someone that's never wanting to admit that you've had failure or um, you're trying to cover up how you are approaching a situation, if someone comes to you and say like, Hey, you're, you're doing this wrong and you're just like oh no 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 and like blame it on someone else like I think that is a is more um detrimental right Mm -hmm. because you're 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 not actually being like oh okay like that was a mistake of mine let me learn from it so that's that's the difference to me when it comes to embodying your highest self and pretending to be this know-all be-all kind of being right does that make uh, make sense yeah. no definitely and i guess to add to that that's kind of so it's like the impo- the imposter effect which is like you feel like you don't belong but is there another effect that contrasts that hmm. so so basically imposter syndrome is where you feel like you don't belong, you're inadequate, you're not enough. And I think there are different reasons that people try to um, overcome that. So there are different aspects. People will either overcompensate what they know or don't know, and people will uh, will say that they'll undercompensate. We'll just call it those two things. So with imposter syndrome, maybe there's people that um, blame other people, try to control situations. Um, They hate being unprepared, right? Maybe that's a way of coping with imposter syndrome. Another way of coping with it is saying like, never speaking up for yourself, always letting other people take the lead, too afraid to make a decision, um, fearing that they might be wrong. So they'll just go with the flow, right? Um, But that may like cause you to harbor a lot of resentment and feel like you don't know who you are, right? And the, on the contrast of feeling like those things, I think to me, that is where I try to help the women that I coach. I try to get them from that spectrum all the way to the other spectrum of 
um, trust, trusting yourself, trusting yourself, always being open to, to growth um, and leaving kind of like your ego out the window. And what that means is accepting, accepting one that you do have, have this, your own power, your own um, expertise, owning that part, but also owning the fact that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have people say, um, hey, I think that was wrong. And then you having to own up and say, okay, that was wrong. And how can I learn next? What can I do next? Um, being that person that can accept criticism, that can accept um, feedback from people, can accept failure and being like, okay, that's what happened. That's what wrong. And this is how I can move forward from that. Um, because I trust that I got my own back, that I'll always um, find a way through it and, and just trusting yourself. So obviously that's easier said than done. Um, if, if it was that easy to say and do all those things, obviously I would not be a mindset coach. I wouldn't be coaching the amazing women that I'm coaching. But that to me is the opposite of what imposter syndrome is. And I don't, I mean, I personally don't think um, imposter syndrome is eradicated from my life. Um, you know, I'm currently watching White Fragility, or not watching, but reading White Fragility. And, you know, so many emotions come up from, from reading a book like that, because I still, again, I, I'm brought back to that time where I just, like, do I belong? Where do I belong? And yeah. who do I identify with? And things like that. So it's okay to be a work in progress while still making change in the world. Yeah. I think that one of the reasons why it's so hard to overcome imposter syndrome is also because, I mean, for example, for me, I feel like I have lived my whole life trying to please other people and not myself. And so a lot of the time that's either my parents or like when I was in school, my teachers and professors and just people I do really care about. So then how, how do we overcome that? Like, how do we go after what we truly want? But, you know, we still want to keep the people we love in mind because I mean, I think that's just so hard for me sometimes, especially growing up like in a Mexican household. Like I feel like my parents just had all these expectations and I just tried so hard to make them proud. And so then at the end of the day, it's like I have to sit down with myself and be like, is this actually all that I wanted or is it like what my parents wanted for me? And so it's so hard to figure out, you know, what actually makes me happy and what drives me. And I feel like that's kind of the process that I'm going through right now, personally, trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I work with, I work with different range of women and, and different ages and stages of life. Um, and it's really interesting to see that women that are in their mid to late thirties who are still kind of in the same story of, I'm not sure what I want. Um, and it can come down back down to how they grew up in childhood. Um, so for instance, how can you, so that's a good question. How can you begin to uncover what it is that you want without stepping on the toes of those that love you? So one of my suggestions would be learning how to draw healthy boundaries. So if you are um, someone who has been a people pleaser and doesn't like stirring the pot and is, doesn't like to um, 
have any conflict, which was definitely me. And I'm, I'm definitely still that kind of person at times. Healthy boundaries is what I consider um, an act of love. So if someone that loves you and, and you love them is asking you and expects you to do something that part of you doesn't want to do, to me, it's an act of love to tell them, hey, I, I know that you want me to do this. Um, I know that you care about me, but I, I just want you to know that I, I want to do this or, you know, this is really important for me. And I, it would mean so much if you could support me in this. Um, and if, if you don't support me in this, I just know that I love you, but I would like to do this. This is my life. And, and then that would be the conversation. And obviously this is depending on what it is that you're wanting to do. It could be a, a longer conversation, but I always say like, start small, right? So um, no matter what it is, just know that you have a voice. And I think your parents or your family members or teachers and mentors you respect would, if they truly love you, they would love you no matter what you do. I think it's always them trying to protect you at the end of the day. Um, they're just trying to protect you. They may be projecting some of the things that they've had to deal with all their life. If they, if they spent their whole life listening to their parents and they're pretty safe, um, they probably are just wanting to do, want the same things for you. But what I tell the women that I coach is, do you want to live a life where you meet all of your parents' expectations, your mentors' expectations, everyone's expectations, but at the end of the day, you feel unfulfilled somehow, and maybe even a little resentful because you never spoke up, because you just listened, obeyed, and pleased, but there was a part of you that was not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Is that going to feel better for you? Um, for me, no. <laughs> for me, it would feel very unfulfilling, and I don't want to, you know, be on my deathbed thinking about how I should have done the thing that was really on my heart, you know? Yeah. And so for the people that are very confused about, well, I don't know what's on my heart. I don't know what's on my heart because I've listened to what other, ex other people expect from me. I've been operating from that for so long that it's hard for me to really know what I want. Trust me when I say I've been there. I know what it feels like to feel like once you start kind of undoing all of this and working through this, working through this and realizing a lot of your, um, a lot of your decisions were based out of what other people want from you or would accept from you once you kind of do more of that work um, and you start trying to uncover the things that you want it's still a process I I had to go through nearly an entire year and a half trying to figure out who I what are the things that I liked because I was so used to being the person that said whatever you want mm -hmm. or you know what is a job that would that people would um, respect and and see as being like oh that's good and, and I could handle right um, it was scary to speak my mind. It was scary to go into business for myself. It was it was scary for me to um, become a mindset coach and and build a business like that. But guess what? Guess what happened when I just decided to find my own authenticity? When I decided to find what truly made me happy, I became a better became a to me I became a more present mother. I felt like I became a better partner for my husband because I wasn't resentful because he got to do whatever he wanted in life but I was always like put myself on the back burner um I feel like 
I've been able to help other women who are going through the same thing because now I, because I'm a mindset coach, I can help other women go through the same thing. So being on the other side of it, it's only been a trickle effect of goodness of other, of other people being like, Oh shit. Like she's doing what she wants and she's, she's not holding herself back. That's so amazing and powerful. And people are drawn to that because they want that for themselves. So, you know, those of you that are listening, um, and hearing this, just ask yourself, you know, start to peel back the layers. Like, why are you where you are right now? Right. And just asking those questions and literally writing down, and maybe you don't have an answer right now, but that doesn't mean to to stop asking that question. Right. It's always going to continuously unfold. And I'm always discovering different parts of myself that I, I never recognized before. Yeah. How do you know if you're moving in the right direction? Like, is there a certain feeling, like certain thoughts you should have? How do you know you're actually actually, achieving like your higher self? Yeah. So how do you know if you're actually achieving your higher self? I think this is such a good question. This is exactly what I, I go through with my clients with. So we're getting into some really good stuff. So a very simple way of gaining knowledge on the quote unquote am I operating out of my intrinsic self, intrinsic motivation, or am I operating out of what other people expect of me? So there are, you can think of like two parts of yourselves, right? We talked about different versions of ourselves, but I want you to think of, of two versions of yourself. One version of yourself is your higher self, like we talked about, the part of you that um, is your most authentic self, your true mm-hmm. self. And then there's another side of you that likes to blame blame yourself, blame others, shame you, shame others, um, causes you to worry, causes you to have anxiety, causes you um, to judge yourself, to judge other people, right? So when you can begin to see and hear the difference of those two voices, then you can know which one to actually listen to. So the voice that is judging and um, blaming, shaming, I call that I I personally call that voice ego Mm -hmm. in my teaching. I call that ego and the voice that is um, loving, compassionate, sees the, obviously the good in you that is like always inspiring, very motivating is inner wisdom. So you've got your inner wisdom and you've got your ego, your ego talk. Ego talk is going to be loud. It's going to be so, so loud. Um, It's always going to say things like, oh my God, you're an idiot. Or like, oh my gosh, did you seriously just do that? Or you're so stupid. Or, oh my gosh, why did they say this or that? Um, Blaming them for everything, right? And so when you listen to this ego talk, it's going to make you feel a certain way. So maybe you feel disappointed in yourself that you missed the gym for some reason, right? So your ego talk says, wow, you're going to, you're going to be so unfit for the rest of your life, blah, blah, blah. And if you listen to that voice, you it's going to make you feel a certain way. It's going to make you feel disappointed, unmotivated, sad, defeated. When you have those feelings, your next, what is your next action? Either one, you're going to sulk and you're not going to go to the gym anymore because you feel defeated. Like what's the point? Or even overwork. Maybe you'll overwork at the gym. Maybe you're starve yourself, whatever the case is and whatever it is you're trying to do, you'll be operating from that ego talk. But if you can tap into your inner wisdom, which actually does take effort, takes an extreme amount of effort if you're not used to doing this work, 
you've got to dig deep. You've got to really listen and um, strengthen that channel with your inner wisdom and ask your inner wisdom, like, what would you say in this instance? And the thing about your inner wisdom is that it's, it's like a whisper. It's like a whisper compared to your ego talk. Mm. And in this particular instance, your inner wisdom would say something like, you had a really busy day. There's, you know, you were doing this and doing that and you can hit the gym tomorrow. We got this. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, duh. Like that's so simple. Um, you would probably say the same thing to someone you loved, but we don't talk to ourselves like that for some reason. And um, you'll be so, so surprised by the actions you would take if you start listening to your inner wisdom. So if you listen to your inner wisdom and it was like, oh, we got this, keep going next day and showing a lot of compassion for yourself, what would you do? You would keep showing up to the gym. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have to overwork yourself. You wouldn't have to have a terrible relationship with the gym and food and your body. You'd feel good, right? Because your inner wisdom has your back. Your inner wisdom is like, you got this, let's go. Um, really proud of you for showing up today. And that feels really good and empowering. So that's the difference between, okay, how do I know if I'm moving to my higher self or if I'm just operating out of someone else's um, expectations? Yeah. So the reason why this, this ego talk is so loud and like, where does it come from? Ego talk was, your ego was developed to protect you. And, and even that emotional wounding or that feeling of um, you don't want to be thrown out of your tribe, right? Mm -hmm. And if you were to, your ego is trying to always try to make sure you stay within your comfort zone. You don't upset people. So it's going to tell you things like, no, you need to um, get a better job or you need a better um, corporate job or like, don't say anything. You're going to cause trouble. It's going to always try to keep you small, shrink you or operate and do things that you personally intrinsically don't want to do. Yeah. Does any of that make no, sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think to be able to decipher between what is your inner wisdom and what is your ego, then you really have to like get to know yourself. And that's the part that's hard, especially in our society. I think we tend to feel guilty if we're taking the time to get to know ourselves. Um, so I mean, it's all about self-awareness, but that's something that's going to take time and a lot of work. Yeah. I'll tell you a little thing about having that guilt. It's literally another, I don't want to use the word weapon, but it's like another tactic that your ego talk yeah. will utilize to keep you listening to ego oh, talk. Yeah. Because if it makes you feel guilty, because ego is just makes you feel guilty, shame, all that stuff that stops you from tapping into that inner wisdom. So basically if you, and trust me, I, I still deal with it and I dealt with it a lot at the beginning of when I became a mom, but it's going to basically trap you into this never getting to know your inner wisdom, taking that time out for yourself and always operating out of this space where you're always pleasing other people. And like, trust me when I say you just don't want to end up one day and just being like, did I actually live my life or did I live it out of what other people expected of me? Yeah. And, you know, along the lines of like, loved ones and keeping them into my, in mind. Um, again, if they love you, they will support you in what it is that you want to do. Like that's in your heart. And maybe it might be tough at the beginning, but if they're meant to be in your life, they're going to be in your life. But, um, 
like for me, for example, there was, there was a very like toxic relationship that I had with um, someone close. And as soon as I started to really try to create boundaries and just tell them, like, I didn't appreciate how they like talked to me. And it's not like they said mean things, but they said very, like, they made me question my, myself, my self-worth and my, my value add, right. They always made me question myself, but it was like, I didn't know how to put a finger on it. But when I started to speak my mind and just say like, that doesn't make me feel good. Or can you please um, respect these boundaries? It was a hard chat. And the reason why is because they had benefited from me not having boundaries. They had benefited me from being someone that they could emotionally dump on. Um, they, They had a lot of benefits of me always coming to their every beckoning, you know, and always, always giving, 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 and never saying anything about it. So, um, there's, there's going to be a world full of givers and takers. And for you, I, I always believe in giving more, but you can't continuously give if people are continuously taking and you're not giving to yourself. And so this whole idea of taking time away for yourself, making you feel guilty, it does more harm because then, I mean, what happens if you get resentful for continuously giving or you burn out and then you can't give anymore, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, you've, you've just got to f- fuel your tank in order to keep going. And that's all that that is. Yeah. And um, when you can set those boundaries out of love, it just gets easier over time, but you definitely have to start somewhere. Yeah. And, and my, uh, I guess my suggestion would be that. Well, yeah, I had a question about the the ego and um, your higher self, just to go back to that real quick. So would you say that in order to achieve your higher self, you have to kill your ego? Or do you think it's, do you think you need your ego to a certain degree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is such a good question. Um, so I feel like for me personally, there has definitely been some ego death. And it's really interesting because I feel like there's been multiple ego deaths. Um, and as someone that is very into personal development and always trying to reach that next level and helping other women reach success and next level and uncovering and becoming more conscious, I feel like you can experience more than one ego death. And for people that are like, what the heck is an ego death? I feel like it's having the bravery to go there with yourself emotionally and being and feeling like you're emotionally equipped for it. And that's why I say it takes time and it takes a lot of trust. And I, if you can and have access to therapy, if you can and have access to even mentorship to do it, to have a coach. Um, and if you're not quite ready for that, there's so many really good resources online to begin this. Um, journaling is something that really helps meditation is something that really really helps but you need to be emotionally equipped to go to those places within yourself to find why did your ego even come into place why is it telling you the things that it tells you constantly right and that could be so scary people people don't like going there right Mm -hmm. so um so my advice is don't don't see this as the next, um, don't try to make it about a destination, like be a part of the journey and just know like that journey is, is 
it is happening already. <laughs> us having this conversation is happening already. And I think for me, for a long time, I was always like trying to strive for, you know, like just being someone that only operated out of inner wisdom and just like, you know, being woke or whatever, but like, there's always the next, there's always something, there's always a layer and to just have faith knowing like it's a continuous work in progress and that you don't have to do everything overnight. Yeah. Even for the people who are listening right now, I think just the fact that you're listening to this podcast, like says something about yourself and that you're willing to put in the work. And I think for me, sometimes I get very, just, I feel the sense of hopelessness sometimes because I feel like oh my gosh like I keep working on myself but sometimes it just feels like you know I have those really bad days where I just feel like not great about myself and obviously like I have to understand I'm going to have days like that but it's more like my reaction and what I do afterwards that really matters and I think a lot of the time like yes like I would encourage people to go and seek therapy but I also know that's something that's very hard to attain because of financial concerns also but I think there's always a place to start and there's so many resources out there and sometimes it just takes like reading a book or listening to a podcast to be able to really try to pinpoint where your journey should start because everyone's journey is gonna look very different yeah like on the note about you know, you're like how you get frustrated because you're working on yourself. And then when you have those shit days, you're just like, oh, like why I worked on myself? Like this shouldn't be happening. Um, I had those days a lot when I was recovering from postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was seeing a therapist doing a lot of inner work, but then I would feel like, oh my gosh, like, I think I'm finally getting better. Like I feel happy today. And like this and that, and literally it'd feel like the next day, just like everything crumbling on top of me. And as far as like what to do in those circumstances is always like, that's why coping mechanisms yeah. and strategies are so important and to continuously urge yourself to um, just to, to have them in place to do them. Right. And those would, those will be the same things even when someone doesn't have postpartum depression, but has a lot of those shit days, like coming back to those coping mechanisms and then trying to process it. Like, okay, why did I get triggered today? Why did that emotionally um, impact me? Why do I feel like this? Yeah. And I also want to say like, that's feeling crappy is part of being a human. And ever since I was able to just like almost like embrace it a little bit more like okay this is a crap day like I'm going to take care of myself today um, I'm just going to listen to what it is I need take a step back then you can really see like what is a message there like what's actually bothering you and then when you can actually embrace like where you are in that like shit moment versus like just trying to cope through like like ignoring it or numbing it um you could fully experience and accept even the moments of true happiness and true bliss and excitement and like the good stuff on the other end of that spectrum. Because um, like for me personally, like ever since I have felt like I just embraced a little bit more of those like emotional downs, I feel like I've been able to experience higher emotional like ups, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, right? Because even people that experience happiness, sometimes that that a thought pops up and they're like, you shouldn't be this happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you so happy right now? Let's change that and self-sabotage us. Yeah. Right. 
And so that almost comes back and ties into like that imposter syndrome. Like you don't deserve this kind of happiness. You don't deserve this and that. And it really is just ego talk mm-hmm. trying to like shrink you again and bring you back down. And you know, what you said about self-awareness, it's so critical. in I think everyone really changing the world as a whole, because if we can be more self-conscious in here and doing a lot of the inner work here, not only will it inspire other people, but you can interact with the world differently, right? You can start listening to other people instead of feeling emotionally charged by what they're saying too. And so then when they like see you and, you know, start to work on themselves, they impact the people in their life. And so that's to me, you know, what I feel like my quote unquote purpose is, is just like, not only helping other people do the inner work, but always coming back and doing my own. Cause that's the yes. only way that I could help other people do the same thing. Definitely. I think self-awareness is something that is kind of overlooked in a way. Like people don't really stop and question themselves and what they're trying to do. And, you know, I think it goes back to they're trying to just go go through the checklist that society has for you and complete complete all of that but then you know it goes back to fulfillment like that's where you have to know yourself like is that going to fulfill you like going through those standards and if it is like great but if it's not then what is it that is is going to make you more fulfilled and I think yeah. it all goes back honestly to like me thinking as a teacher like education because I especially like when we were growing up and going to school there wasn't that much emphasis placed on like social emotional learning and so we weren't even really taught like those strategies for like self-awareness and that's something that like I really want to emphasize and like teach my students because like they need to see that like it's okay to make mistakes like I'm very like transparent with them like if I'm having a bad day I'll let them know so they can see like it's okay to have bad days and then like how do we get out of that because then if they just keep seeing all these people that like you know are quote-unquote perfect then they're gonna think like damn like I have all these expectations that I have to meet and Clearly, that's not what we want. Yeah, so it's just going to continue generation to generation. So we have to stop that. But that's why it makes me so mad when people say that like social emotional social emotional learning shouldn't be a part of schools because like it's not a teacher's responsibility to be like a social worker. But that's not what we're doing. Like if we don't teach our students how to be aware of their emotions and their thoughts, then they're not going to reach their full potential. And obviously that's not what we want. Like the purpose of education is literally to make sure that our students reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so, so powerful. I, I mean, I can't even imagine how I feel like how much turmoil I could have avoided if I just understood my emotions better and wasn't so ashamed of them because that's essentially what, if I were to think back, it's just being ashamed for having emotions. I remember literally telling myself one day, trying to make a vow of never crying again because I thought that made me weak. And having a human emotions, having sadness, having any of those low emotions are just as powerful as having high emotions. And if we can start seeing that as 
okay, that's a part of being a human. That's a part of experiencing and learning and growing and evolving. What are the next steps? I think that can help so many people um, thrive instead of feeling like there's something wrong with them and just um, not being more self-aware because I think that's why people are even avoiding being more self-aware, taking that time out is because it's scary. <laughs> scary to have emotions and being out of control, quote unquote. Um, but like what I wanted to say about um, what Victor was talking about, like the checklist that society has or whoever has for us. Um, and, and like, it's almost like we don't have self-awareness as the forefront of, of what we do as people just think of how our society is also designed. We have so many distractions. I mean, people can literally spend all day on their phone just consuming, mm. consuming media, mm. right? I mean, you, you can turn the TV on and just be consumed. And what this causes is an un unconscious effect, right? You're plugged in and you're unconscious. You're not aware, right? And then when you go into your work week or into your school week, it's just bam, 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 bam next thing next thing next thing you don't have time for yourself and then it's like i'm so freaking tired i'm gonna go zone out now yeah. right so it's like we don't our our particular culture it's like we don't we don't actually say okay guys it's time for us to have five minutes of mindfulness yeah. i mean that alone that alone like five minutes of mindfulness when I started meditation that's all that I started with because I was like I can't do medita meditation that five minutes of mindfulness where I locked myself in my closet because I had a newborn baby and I was you know my husband was finally home to help me I, I just locking myself in the closet for five minutes um, helped me manage through so much anxiety and overwhelm and like the constant chatter in my own mind. Yeah. Um, and all of that has trickled and led me to where I am now, someone that teaches women how to master their mindset and um, utilize consciousness. So, you know, that's another tip for anyone that's listening is like practicing that mindfulness, unplugging and um, being more aware of like what you're doing, how you're breathing, looking outside, looking at trees, like coming outside of your own mind, mental chatter yep. and, and off to being on the next thing is so powerful in itself. And the thing with meditation is like, you can really just do it anywhere. Like, that's what I try to tell my students. Like if you're like sitting in a classroom and you start feeling overwhelmed, you can like start meditating. Like no one else yeah. has to know. You can just, it's something that you're doing on your own and just trying to be present and there's so many different ways to do it like for some people if they're religious that means prayer and like going into a church or for some people it means like going to your favorite spot on the beach and just like making sure you're really present and using like all your senses to just take everything in and like take that moment to just like look at what's going on inside of you but mm -hmm. you're right like there's just so many things happening in our lives and like around us and especially right now which is like the political environment i think things are going to get even worse like there's going to be even more distractions and so that's why we have to be even more aware of all of this so that we don't fall back into that routine and like that habit of just like you know being like <laughs> just freaking distracted. distracted i don't know how else to call it but controlled yeah I kind of like think of it as being like being and doing and then just being. Mm -hmm. 
So there's doing, right? Obviously we need doing, we need to, you know, do the things that help us survive. But then people take out the being part of just sitting, looking around you, feeling through your senses and being truly present. And with both of those combined, that's where people can reach their full potential. And, you know, when it comes to like, for instance, like what I do in my business and like how I help other entrepreneurs, strategy, obviously you need the strategy to help you with um, like attracting your dream clients and getting, making sure things are easier for you. But what makes, I feel like what makes my style a little bit unique is that I also tell them how to listen more into their inner wisdom and to just be more in the being because it could be very easy to be in the doing and not being able to come out of that and just reaching burnout. So yeah, yeah, I I love this conversation. (laughs) I think there's like so many other things we could like go deeper in, but I think that we touched on a lot of important things. And I think there's something that for everyone who's listening, they can take something away from this and like actually start acting on it right away. Um, But I think with some of these topics, we could go even deeper. So if you ever want to come back and be on the podcast, podcast again, that would be great. And then we can have listeners who are listening right now, if you guys think of anything that you want us to dive deeper into, then please let us know so that we can actually give you the content that you need. Um, but yeah, thank you so much yeah, for so much. being here with us. Um, the last thing I want to ask is just how can people find you on social media or your website or whatever it may be? Yeah, you guys can um, find me on Instagram at KC boo so k c b and the letter u as in unicorn underscore and you can find me there um i talk a lot about like um starting like starting your business and and getting to that next level of entrepreneurship and but also obviously mainly um like how mindset is such a critical part of reaching your full potential so um if there are any questions or anything like that i'm definitely free to help out in any way thank you for having me it's been a blast thank you guys for making it to the end of episode three we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode please follow us on instagram at let us listen podcast we will post any updates on there we will be releasing a new episode every other tuesday from now on please also feel free to message us directly on instagram if you have any topic suggestions any feedback any tips or if you want to be a guest on this podcast